Cyberpunk 2077 is out. And I haven't played it because I don't have any of the systems that it's on. But it's supposed to be the game. Yeah, have I haven't played, played it. it. No, no, I haven't played there it because government won't give me any money. <laughs> the government <laughs> won't give me the money to buy the thing that can play it. The new game. I don't know how they want to do the economy now. Yeah, you won't give us our stimulus checks for PS5s and Cyberpunk 2077. Well, yeah. Because I mean, in I'm, Cyberpunk, yeah. I need a new computer to play it. I'm not going to get a PS5. I'm going to get a new computer. Yeah, how else are you supposed to, you know, become part of the Ready Player One world, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's what we need with Cyberpunk 2077. You've seen all those glitches that are coming out where apparently uh, you can play with genitals on, but then, you know, sometimes your genitals clip through your clothes. I've seen screenshots. Uh, I haven't seen any uh, video of it in, like, the gameplay. I have really not been paying attention to the Cyberpunk coverage other than what people are tweeting. It seems yeah. like people are pissed about the bugs for PS4. It's most. buggy. Because the, the game was also just dragged down by its huge development cycle and its uh, notable instances of employees complaining about crunch. And not just, like, regular crunch either, like, insane crunch. Yeah. You know, like, gulag crunch, shit like that. Uh, and so anything less than perfect would be seen as a failure, really. And it is less than perfect, but it's still apparently a pretty good game. It's hard to tell just on reviews alone because who's paid off and who isn't, you know. Yeah. But uh, well, apparently it got me thinking get... about another thing. Apparently the, the developers like had a thing where if the reviews were bad, they wouldn't get their bonuses. Okay. And that came out like yesterday. <laughs> and the, then the reviews weren't like 10 out of 10. They were like, eh. It has a 90 on Metacritic. Yeah, so. so the the deal was that if it went if they had to get at least 90 or above on Metacritic to get their bonuses and that that has now been in anticipation of it dipping below. Uh, mm. that's been removed so the developers are going to get their bonuses. But um I only follow the news of Swedish game developer Paradox that makes the map games that I so enjoy. Oh yeah, that they make City Skylines as well. That's uh, that's a beautiful game. Wait, did they also make Crusader Kings? Mm -hmm. Okay, so they're all about map games. They're these Swedish oh, yeah. map nerds. Yeah, they're map. They're the map nerds. Um, yeah. But you were talking to, about to me before the show uh, how Cyberpunk has is like heralding a a new a new sort of paradigm in. I think you called it hyper immersion. Well, yeah, it's not, yeah, hyper-immersion. Uh, and while I, it's not necessarily heralding, but it's exemplary of, but also, like, a failure in the evolution of. Oh, because, okay. so, a game, a video game, what it's supposed to do is, to some degree, is immerse you in the game. You know, you're supposed to get rid of the suspension of disbelief, and you're supposed to merge with the sound and the controls and the visuals to believe that, you know, for a brief second, you are actually Mario in the <laughs> Mario King, in, in the Mushroom Kingdom, right? You know, you get that brief glimpse of, a, of another reality as expressed through this uh, kinetic art form. And so um, games have progressed to a point now that technology has progressed to a point since we had really the first true modern open world game in gta 3 mm -hmm. in grand theft auto 3 there's been this game philosophy of 
hyper-immersion. So what the open-world game is, is not necessarily... Because what, what makes something a game is that you complete a goal. There's some sort of task. There's some sort of way that you can finish it. But yeah. with a hyper-immersive game, you just exist in the world. And there's no end. And there's nothing that takes you out of it. And it is, in effect, an ersatz version of reality. Um, and, well... I, I think it can be harmful to people as well, this philosophy, um, because when you become hyper-immersed in a game, you can neglect reality as well. Um, some games do it through their mechanics, like World of Warcraft was a game that was so addictive based on its uh, RPG mechanics that you know you, there were dozens of stories of couples neglecting their kid because <laughs> they needed to farm more gold and I think games can hyper immerse you like that uh, but games now uh, through this open world mechanic and through this emphasis on AAA games being open world and these these gigantic things where there is no end and it's just this place that you can explore for eternity uh, I, I think you see that in games like Skyrim and uh, Grand Theft Auto Five, you know, even though it's old as hell, and Red Dead Redemption especially. I think Red Dead Redemption is sort of the closest that we've got to this totally hyper-immersive paradigm, something that is not immersive necessarily because of its mechanics, but because of its atmosphere. There's so much right. detail and character and depth to this world that it's as good as exploring your own reality, but without effort or, you know, pain, true pain, or death, or consequence. I read one review of Cyberpunk that painted the world, though, as being uh, kind of bleak and unpleasant to be in. So I don't mm. know if that's true. Cause it maybe... Yeah, but even if it's a world that's bleak and unpleasant to be in, you know, you still don't... You're not taxed for moving, right? You know, it's like the reason why you don't go outside is because it's cold, it takes effort, lactic acid builds up in your muscles... But when you're but when you're a Keanu clone in Cyberpunk 2077, you know you can go anywhere, and there is that infinite sense of freedom, even if the world is bleak. It is still mm. a way to hyper immerse you. Yeah. Whether the story or the simulation is, you know, because you know the 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 world of Red Dead Redemption is bleak. You wouldn't want to live in the Wild West, but because you don't expend any true effort living in that world, it becomes preferable to this one is the red red uh, red red redemption world <laughs> bleak too yeah i mean as bleak as any story about the mm -hmm. about the fucking wild west is you know there's a lot of death yeah, i haven't such. played that one uh i have it but i haven't played it i have played smidgens of i it. did not get immersed uh, it didn't work yeah. on me i only get immersed by looking at a map of the world <laughs> I mean, cities, yeah, but the thing is, even though City Skylines, there's no end goal, you're always, you know, you can never be immersed in it because you aren't experiencing reality as a human. You're experiencing it from this very abstract god-level position, mm -hmm. which is, you know, why you can put the game down, which is, it, it, it starts, stops resembling a reality toy. I like to be the god-emperor in my games. Mm-hmm. But yeah, hyper immersion. I, I I think that that eventually leads to the holodeck, you know, and not the bad holodeck. Uh, you know how in Star Trek they always went on the holodeck. If if that technology mm -hmm. existed, that would be it. That would be the end of fucking humanity, right? 
<laughs> you could just yeah. program anything you want. It's an endless pleasure without consequence. Yeah, they, they're going back to the 20s, the roaring 20s. Yeah. <laughs> they're going back to know. like the, the they're, they're doing film noir. <laughs> <laughs> they, they go back to a place where it's black and white. <laughs> yeah. They go to Robin Hood. Uh, they go to they go to Sherlock Holmes. One episode, Data is Sherlock Holmes, and Jordy is Watson. And they should go then to the Moriarty becomes self-aware. They should go to the Pokemon yeah. universe. If they had fucking holodeck Pokemon, that's it. <laughs> I'm just living in the fucking holodeck. Yeah, living in the world of Pokemon. I would live in the world of Pokemon. Yeah. If they could actually like see me and interact with me, like real people, like with the new AI. Yeah, but the problem is a fa- mm. it's a family it's a family program in the holodeck, so you can't fuck in it. You can't, you know. Oh, <laughs> you, so. oh damn! But that's okay. Damn. Yeah. yeah. You can only do you, you can't swear in it yeah. either. That would be strange. We're gonna if have holodeck programs had certain restrictions based on uh, ESRB ratings. We're gonna have hyper immersion. Oh, it's hyper just, immersion. It's too bad that Jeffrey Epstein is not around to be hyper immersed with us. But I guess now mm-hmm. we can we can put him in our hyper immersions. Look, if Jeffrey Epstein had had Ready Player One, mm-hmm. he could have just interacted with a bunch of underage avatars that were actually forty-five uh, year old men. You know, you wouldn't have had to have gone out of his way, and it would have been just as good. So, what's your song of the year? You got one? Uh, I think everyone's <laughs> song of the year is WAP. You know, I, it's got to re- be really. That's, that's your song I mean, of the year. Wasn't not, there a new my, Bob Dylan album? Yeah, who cares about <laughs> fucking Bob Dylan? Fucking Bob, Bob Dylan fucking sucks. He's the worst. No. He's no. the absolute... I will die on this hill. He's no. boring. No. Wait, do you like Bob Dylan? Are you standing... Let's not talk about Dylan? what I think. <laughs> Let's talk about what you think. No. You have to defend why you think of the sun was shining. Have it up by the way. Having a band and sucking a dick all of the goddamn day. <laughs> oh, shining and sucking and fucking and sucking, licking up all the balls. <laughs> Early one morning I was taking it all up inside my back walls. Bob Dylan getting fucked in the ass. Yeah, I don't know. That's good. All of his songs are, I don't, I don't that's know. It. That's it. That's what his songs this, are like. That's all of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's all of them. Oh, feeling I'm getting lubed up. Outside of my chin, a huh. uh, KY jelly on my little belly. He is going in. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm pretty good. <laughs> I could be Bob Dylan. See, give me a Nobel fucking prize. Oh, oh right, he won that. I forgot. Yeah, for him literature. And, well, I mean, him and Paul Krugman, they probably hang out. <laughs> yeah, just doing bad takes. Yeah, just giving, just throwing bad boomer takes at each other. Yeah, so uh, uh, I don't know what else is there. Uh, what is this new reality we have? This new reality we're trying to escape to. Uh, yeah, the mm. is reality of being indoors all the time. It's crazy. Yeah. It's it's Ready Player Two came out what? because you know <laughs> split screen. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna make the. Uh, they're gonna make the movie. Spielberg's gonna make another green screen movie about how we're all animated characters now. He is. No, I, well, that's what Ready Player One was about. How ah. we're just all anime now. We're all anime boys now. What does we that mean? We all like we anime. To. No, no, we're just uh, we're made out of, You know, like I'm you know made how, out of anime. 
You yeah, we will be made of anime in the future. <laughs> yeah, that's we'll be higher beings because we'll be made of anime. That was the point of Ready Player One. <laughs> <laughs> we are ascending to pure anime beings. <laughs> Pure anime energy is invading my bloodstream, and I'm seeing everything. Yo, saw this That thing, that thing where water comes down my nose is going to start happening. Yeah, yeah, your your blood will start shooting from your nose, and you'll start going sugoi. And you'll ascend to the the light being of pure anime, Ready Player One energy. Because uh, that's what we all want. We all want to be anime boys. We all want to be Cloud from Final Fantasy VII and, you know, solve the environmental crisis and work through our mental problems. That, see, that game I never got into, but that game affected most of the guys that I grew up with in a deep way. It's a great game. Oh, man, I could talk forever about Final Fantasy. Talk so, about yeah, me getting so fucking immersed into my, a game. All of my middle school friends could also talk forever about Final Final Fantasy VII, yeah. and they did. Oh, yeah. They did, and it's, I did not ever understand why. Because it's, it's, it's a very tween-oriented game, because the main character, Cloud, is very emo, and uh, he's, very, he's very crawling in my skin. These wounds, they will mm. not heal. You know, it's cool. a, he's a perfect That's protagonist cool. for a 12-year-old experiencing their puberty onset identity crisis. Yeah. Because he hair. himself is a, oh. a messed up vision of introjected memories and thoughts. Not, also not unlike Shinji from Evangelion. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> but also, uh, yeah, fucking Final Fantasy VII is, uh, it is a story that vehemently argues that uh, eco-terrorism is good, actually. Well, we may <laughs> be in need of a little eco-terrorism because, news alert, water is being sold on the stock market. Yeah, if there was a time for Final Fantasy VII, if there was a time for Avalanche, it is now. What, can, what is this story about water being sold? How can you sell the... Is it Nestle? Is it is, no. it, is it those old bastards that are doing it? Or no. How it, do you commodify water? Water, it's being sold as futures on the stock market, and there's rules, but they plan... they definitely going to expand this. Like, yeah. that's the goal, is to get more and more. So what's going on is California has a drought, and they've had a drought for the past 10 years. And farms, like big almond farms, need a lot of water, and they need oh, to buy yeah. it in quantity. But the price of water is very volatile just there. So it's basically just for these farmers in California who can buy water from specific sellers now at a fixed price on the futures market. This seems disturbing. It is. <laughs> this seems, uh, it seems like... Uh, the chemical of life should really be uh, free. I'm sipping. And, you I'm know, sipping a little California bit right now. Doesn't. Uh, yeah. I'm. I'm drinking. I'm drinking a soda, but a lot of that is water. <laughs> At least seventy percent. <laughs> At least seventy percent. What are they going to do? Uh, Just start cutting down? Like the soda is going to be fifty percent water soon? Who is? Who thinks like this? Um, like, so it's how called do you the C. Think like this? The CME Group. Is who I, the I, CME group. Who is it owned my, by? Excuse my typing. Chicago. I like the clickety clack sound. Chicago Mercantile Exchange. That's the clickety clack sound of brown. Chicago boys. Uh, cherry brown. Uh, 
um, you know, the 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 cherry brown clickety clack. Clickety clack. Yeah. Are you referring to are you referring to how like black people refer to dice? No. No, no. <laughs> Cherry brown is the it's um what I what I am blanking on is the actual word. What? It's the, me- the mechanical clack? the mechanical keyboard has um different like kinds of clack rating. Cherry Cherry Brown clickety clack sounds like a an alley dice game. <laughs> yeah, what are you talking about? That's what I'm talking about, my cherry brown clickety clack. So Yeah, cherry brown clickety clack. Um, no, uh, that's what it is. I just can't think of the word for what it never mind. Never mind. Anyway, water. I learned that from Chappelle's show. We're we're, we're talking about we're also and on top of being a transphobic podcast, we're also a racist podcast as hey, well. So we are not a transphobic podcast. I apologize that episode. <laughs> okay, we're moving on. Uh, the Chicago uh, Mercantile Exchange. What are they? Who are they? They made are up of the it? people who are creating or are selling water on the in, on the stock market. Okay. In California. Uh, who's their boss? Jimmy Jimmy McWater Hoarder? Uh, J- Jerry Van Floof? Uh, Forklift McIverson? Uh, the worst Chicago water boss? Do they have anything to do with the University of Chicago and the Chicago School of Economics? Which oh. uh, seems like would be the source of this insane idea to privatize something that you know, it, it, the thing about human rights is defining a human right is nebulous and obviously arbitrary. You know, nothing is a human right. No one is owed anything in reality, actually. What? But we live in a society where we can provide for people, Wait, you, you know? Wait, you, you say human rights don't exist? No, I don't think... I, I think human rights are a, a necessary fiction, I, I think. So you say human rights don't exist? No, That's there crazy. is no innate, there is no moral, I believe, because I, I don't think that ethics are abstract. That sort of, in my limited understanding of sort of, you know, Kant and, and Bentham and all those guys and uh, all of those ideas that what is moral comes from like somewhere up in the air, somewhere that we can't understand, somewhere abstract, but is vaguely good. And if we behaved in this way, um... Uh, then, you know, everything would be much better. Um, but I, I sort of like, th- there's a materialist feminist philosophy called care ethics, which I think is sort of a much better way to think about morality, which are, it argues that what ethics are are mostly interpersonal. That is really the only thing you can control in your relationship to ethics, is how you treat other people in the world around you. Um, so... That is what you should measure your ethical relationships by, your your ethical quality by, how you treat others in the world around you, uh, and try to gauge it based off of that, then off of some abstract notion. Wait, did you say this you know, was Confucian? No, no, it's it's like a it's a it's a modern materialist feminist philosophy. Oh, it, it is a little Confucian, actually. I was that like, sounds good. It was looking. That it sounds up. cool. What what would Confucius have to say about? Care oh, ethics? I'm looking up just Confucian ethics, and it also focuses on the structure of human relationships. Yeah, I don't I think, know. Yeah, I think that's you know because that's primarily what we do. We're subjective entities interacting with each other, 
and that composes reality. So, yeah. well, the, the thing is, like, the better relation between those entities is is to serve us well. Our government is like designed based on the idea that there are uh, unalienable human rights. So it's hard for me to conceive of this worldview. No, yeah, there are lots of legal fictions, like. For instance, uh, like uh, in criminal law, I don't really think anybody is truly responsible for their actions. As a Calvinist podcast, everyone is fated to fate. <laughs> so it's, you know, so really it is wrong to punish somebody for any crime because they truly don't intend it every time. Yeah. But including, for the sake of... Including yeah. the bankers. Including the bankers. You know, really, <laughs> I don't think people have control over the, what they do. So you can't really ascribe yeah. mens rea. You can't ascribe intent to them. But for the purpose of society getting along, you need to do it, right? You know, it's it's illegal. Free will is a necessary fiction that we need to ascribe by, you know? Mm. Uh, and in the same way, human rights is also a necessary fiction. Of course, you know, we're, we're in a state of nature, you know, we're left to the wolves, you know, and society, we have all these fantasies of society imminently crumbling. We almost pr pray for it in a way. Uh <laughs> So, yeah, I, I don't think human rights... Human rights aren't innate, but they're the best. I love them. They're great. And I love them when we put them into legal codes to make it more binding and culturally relevant. I think they're fantastic. I'm pro-human rights, but I don't think you, there there's any sort of object... You have any objective right to anything. Mm. No. Well, it's that's not very lib of you. It's I'm what I lip. have to say. I disagree with uh, that worldview. What? Uh, uh, why? Why do you feel you have? We have innate human well, rights. Well, I, I just, I'm not like a determinist like you. I believe in free will and unalienable human rights. Mm -hmm. But maybe I'm just brainwashed. Maybe I like being brainwashed. Uh, I think the idea is something inalienable, inalienable. I'm Tom Rokai. We're here to talk about inalienable rights. <laughs> um, yeah, I I think that is that that is a very Protestanty U.S. lib sort of thing because oh, yeah. it's like the idea. It is a very faith based. There are these rules that if you follow them, it doesn't matter what else you do. You know, uh, so. I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not making. I'm not making a good, a good argument here. Uh, what? What is? What is free will? Is what we're asking here. Big question. <laughs> Big question. It's uh, what lets you do what you want to do when you want to do it. You know what I'm talking about. But how do I know if it's what I want to do and someone's not just making me want to do? It? Hey, man, that's what you've got to figure out. Okay. Every every week on House of Decline, you get a you get a haughty debate between a hardcore determinist communist and a and a lib uh, Protestant. It's a, cl <laughs> it's a classic both sides issue, you know. Yeah, we're like uh, like Armenia and Azerbaijan. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, maybe not. No. I don't know. Who do we root for in this one? La the, the last time we talked about him, uh, Serge Tankian convinced us to root for Armenia. But uh, Yeah, I, Armenia is Christian, I okay, guess. Okay, good. Great. And that's why, Those are and our guys. That's there. why I was <laughs> saying that I think George, like if George Bush was still president, I think he would have intervened because Trump didn't really say anything. 
Except maybe like, ah, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's too bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the you know, the thing about Trump is um, he did escalate some of the conflicts we were already in, but he didn't start any new ones, I guess. Yeah, I guess uh, not. Unless... Unless I the, unless he did and I just didn't hear about him, which uh, is entirely possible. He started the conflict in our souls. <laughs> oh no! He started the heart of America. Started the conflict in the hearts and souls of our children, who now are doubting, like you, in the very belief of free will and human rights. I I think oh my I, it's not that I doubt free will. I do think we have you know like. There is some measure of choice, but I think people are more a product of their environments than they are of any sort of form of self-control or discipline. You know, you know, even the things that we, uh, that Ayn Rand or someone like that would say, you know, people who aspire to willpower, people who build great edifices and people who think real hard and make lots of money and do industry, you know, are they motivated, are, are they motivated by some sort of desire? Did they choose that? Or is there just something driving them that they can't explain? Uh, in the same way, you know, a day trader trades, a cocaine addict does cocaine. Mm. Well, why would a monk know. or a nun join their um, respective convent or monastery? Uh, why would a Confucian monk do that? Why would a Buddhist monk do that? Dedicate themselves not to procreate, to live ascetically? If not for free know. will. Mm -hmm. What? I don't know. Especially, especially that. If any sort of like uh, parasitic de deified entity was going to attach you and, you know, force you to kill yourself. That sounds like the god that I want. What? I have no idea what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> um, fucking, yeah, you see those videos in Armenia no, and Azerbaijan? No, 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 don't watch the videos. I, the only videos I saw... Videos? So the video I think you're talking about is like there's been beheading videos coming out. Yeah. I have not ISIS seen those styles. or sought them out. I did look up what was going on, and apparently there's beheading videos <laughs> coming out of um, from both Armenia and Azerbaijan. Yes, according both to, sides. According to Amnesty uh, International. Who knows? Are they compromised? I don't know. I feel, is, Wasn't Oxfam compromised? What do we UNICEF mean by compromised? compromised? They're like they're they're just it turns out that they're a CIA money making organization or something like oh. that. Well, I mean, speaking of compromise, though, breaking news as of eight minutes ago, U.S. Uh, is looking into a Treasury Department hack. The Treasury Department got hacked. Whoa! Yeah. That Whoa! Sucks. That sucks. A little bit of breaking no. news for you. Don't. It's everyone's credit card numbers. <laughs> well, yeah. Everyone, everyone like, who works for the Treasury Department's credit card numbers. Yeah. Uh, here, the, the, have you ever enjoyed an open world video game? Like truly enjoyed an open world video game? Like Wh gotten yeah, Witcher, to the point? but Witcher's not that open world. Yeah, because it still has the Verfremdungs effect. Do you know about the concept of the Verfremdungs effect? No. <laughs> uh, the Verfremdungs effect was. Uh, a concept posited by German playwright Bertolt Brecht in his uh, pursuit of epic theater he sought to remind the audience that they were watching theater and thus take them out of it or think more about the meta-narrative of the play rather than be immersed in the play uh. and 
in the same way, uh, I would argue, and, and he was doing that sort of uh, for moral reasons, because he believed that people were not aware of the world around them, and thus to take them out of the theatrical narrative was to suddenly jolt them into reality, and you know, that's why plays like the opera uh, plays like the three penny opera deal with poverty and um and social issues of social justice and stuff like that and so i think in games similarly we need some sort of truly epic game which is has the scope of something like a red dead redemption or a cyberpunk but has the necessary verfremdungs effect to uh, take the player out of the experience and constantly remind them that they're playing a game so as to uh, make them so that the game complements the reality around them as opposed to supplants it. Well, I don't know about that, man. You started by asking a question, have I ever been immersed in a open world game? Yeah, you said Witcher 3. Yeah. But Witcher 3 is not, because it's so narrative-driven and because it's so hokey and weird and specific i feel like you're you always have the verfremdungs effect in witcher 3 you never can get that immersed because if you were someone that related to Geralt of rivia you'd be a fucking psychopath i'm sure there are mm-hmm. dozens of people like that Do- but, well uh, dozens yeah the, the the people who read the books um yeah <laughs> the weird <laughs> polish guys who read the book yeah. uh i mean I'm trying to just trying to think of video games I've been immersed in. They tri- I really love the world of The Witcher though because it's this it's such this dismal Eastern European medieval it's good. world. Witcher 3 is great. It's really yeah. good. It's fun. Uh it's I don't get immersed in open world games really. Yeah. Like I don't ever I can't ever really role play in those. Like pretend to be the person I or the character I've created. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. My answer. Yeah, but the goal is you're not you. You're you're this guy. You're you're Badger Harrison, the cowboy from Red Dead Redemption. That's his name. Is Badger Harrison? That's the main character. Uh, <laughs> what's the guy? Oh, what's the name? I can't remember anything. I played 15 minutes of Red Dead Redemption and I was like, ah, eh, this is not for me. Mm. It's not for me. I don't like mm. it. <laughs> what what don't you like about it? It's, it's boring. It's boring. But that's what people love about it. It's like it's just like podcasts. You immerse yourself in a new reality. I don't want to uh, do bo- you, I don't want to like trim my virtual beard and groom my virtual horse. That's and that's be a virtual the, boy. I don't want to do that. People love being a virtual boy. They love being a virtual <laughs> tough guy. That's the whole sell. And that's, okay, the other aspect, too, of it, which is sinister about these open-world games, these truly hyper-immersive open-world games, is that in order to achieve the level of detail necessary for the game to become, you know, the thing that you just explore willy-nilly, like, almost all of these games require hideous crunch, they like kill their programmers. They kill their graphics guys. They kill their everybody in the pursuit to make a world that everybody gets absorbed in. So <laughs> it's very funny that you know it, it's like 
It's like a million people. It's like if Westworld, it wasn't just, you know, sentient robots, but also the labor required to construct Westworld was basically equivalent to, you know, uh, people building the pyramids or something or people building the Hoover Dam or something. Just millions of dying workers. Yeah. <laughs> no, there, no one died. From yeah, these nerds are suffering like the pyramids, like the slaves working for, for the Egyptians building the pyramids. They're, well, actually, we're told that the slaves built the pyramids. You know, the, but the, the PMC think... class, the managers with their whips, you know, just yes. whips cracking to get those. I, maybe they do have that at CD Projekt Red. I don't know. All I don't the know developers are just only wearing loincloths. Yeah, they're beating a drum. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. They have to program to the beat of the drum. Yeah, they... that's why it takes them so long. It's like... <laughs> Uh, oh my god they, they all wear spiked collars uh, they all have to they all have to wear chastity belts until the game is finished they can't come until the game is finished nice <laughs> oh my god chastity belts uh, I learned were a, a import from the first crusade from where? Who developed the initial chastity belt? It was the Ottoman, or the, you know, the, the, either, I don't know, wherever they were, the first crusade was. It wasn't Ottomans at that point yet. It was like the king, kingdom of the... Syria. I don't know. Kingdom of, or some Arabian kingdom. Okay. So the chastity belt, as you're saying, was developed in the Middle East. Yes. Okay. And then for and then brought back with great fanfare. Like, look what we found. <laughs> Aren't these My great? God. <laughs> we are trying to root out these barbarians, but they've invented a genital lock. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> we found the genital lock that we've been looking for. My God. Quickly. Yeah. And then, then and then like a medieval king like killed forty horses racing it to get back to like Bavaria. <laughs> we must we must tell them to us oh, we my... must tell them to us now now we will no longer be constrained by our huge erections yes my poor oh, daughter uh... Tenzin is only 13 and she's going to be married in three years I need a way to make sure she stays pure <laughs> it's like 40 no would be able to. Die. She will. <laughs> the problem is there's no hole for her pee so the pee just accumulates in the in the yeah, it took 200 years for them to figure out how to make a pee hole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just all these, yeah. Why are so many young maidens dying of toxic shock? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it wasn't toxic shock. It was um, something. I don't know. Some, a kidney, something caused, it would be a kidney thing. Something caused by the devil because of, of, of woman's sinly nature. Oh, yeah. It it would be uh, it would be clamp down hysteria they'd call it. But yeah, clamp down because the devil got a hold on you. Yes. Humidity to clamp down. Humidity to clamp down. Man, I I see your dick. My ass is going for it. I am going to clamp down. <laughs> the Clash. They're are they good? Sure. The Clash are fine. I'll give that to you. I don't like Bob Dylan, but I like The Clash. Oh, they're the same. <laughs> You're right. Bob Dylan and The Clash are the exact same thing. <laughs> they're very similar. 
No, yeah, I don't know. Guy with a terrible voice saying non-specific political, but political sounding things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about Bob Dylan is he's not political, but he's political sounding. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. He's got a lot what's of his material. Song? That could mean anything. You could be a Republican and that could be your song. You know, the times are changing. Yeah. You could be you could be like uh you could be a Maoist. You know you know what's one of the funniest expressions of popular liberalism? The song is, All Star. Uh, uh Smash Mouth All Star? Yeah. That's that's what well, I, that's my answer. Okay. <laughs> I I was going to say John Lennon's revolution, but you go first. Hey now, you're an all star. Get your game on um go play is the demo is like what the rich banker democrats do <laughs> yeah well yeah because it's also the lyrics make reference to uh in uh, climate change you all know the world's on fire is, the, all that glitters is gold only shooting yeah. stars fade away only should they break no they break the mold break the mold See? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah, it is a philosophy of exceptionalism. But uh I, I don't know if that's a liberal philosophy. I, I, I don't know if that can be ascribed to a lot of that could also be uh right wing philosophy as well. Is uh the emphasis on individual conquest. Uh I would say I was just gonna say John Lennon's revolution is funny because he's he's just being a real lib in it. He's being a real centrist. If you go carry around pictures of Chairman Mao, mm -hmm. that you was, ain't yeah. gonna make it with anyone. That anyhow. apparently has some like backstory that I am too stupid to understand. Uh, that he was offended by a tanky. That's probably it. It's just oh, this tanky was really. He was talking to me about Mao at a party, and I thought, Nah, Mao's a bastard. He's a little bastard. Yeah, but he, he apparently later regretted that. that line. I think so. Ah. Uh, I don't know. You should regret. You should regret a lot of lines. <laughs> yeah, a lot of uh, lines. Run for your life if you can, little girl. Hide <laughs> your head in the sand, little girl. If I catch you with another man, that's the end. That yeah, doesn't mean he's gonna kill her. Lyrics. Holy shit! Yeah, he's gonna fucking murder her. That song's about how he's gonna fucking murder that girl if if she cheats. I'm gonna murder uh, you. He's gonna yeah. murder you. I'm gonna murder you. Murder yeah. you. <laughs> 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 Well, that was the Lost Beatles song, I'm Gonna Murder You. We thought it was a little dark for the radio. <laughs> and then there was Paul's song, If you leave me, I'm gonna cut you up into pieces. Oh, if you leave me, I'll cut you up into pieces. Yeah. There's an annoying bass line that goes everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, it was really we we put it in the lost collection, the violent Beatles songs, uh, the violent collection. Uh, you could it was it was uh, released to little fanfare. People did not like it. It conflicted with our wholesome image. Uh, I'm losing the Liverpudlian accent. I'm just going into generic Cockney. Nobody knows anything about accents over there. They don't have... Oh, the Beatles. <laughs> Everyone knows the Beatles because everybody knows the wacko from Animaniacs. Remember the um, uh, the Beatles in Walk Hard? They were great. Yeah, they, Walk Hard... <laughs> I've told you before that Walk Hard is probably my favorite comedy movie of all time. Walk Hard, the extended edition, 
it's I own it in every format type good, you know? I don't, yeah. but it's, that's how good it is. It's a really, it's like, because it's also just, it's from that Apato series of comedies in the 2000s, but it was really tightly scripted and it didn't depend on, you know, loose improv. And it really had a point about why music biopics were stupid and shitty. Yeah. Um, it really had a strong point of view as opposed to, you know, like other parody movies I mean, especially like the well, epic movie. Tropic or Thunder the, is the one, is the other is really what is I, what I would say the best mm-hmm. comedy movie for me. Tropic Thunder is very funny, but they're both but, in the um, same kind of thing. What you your description sounded to me a lot like how I think of Tropic Thunder. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, it's definitely yeah. It just is a meta narrative about war movies, whereas Walk Hard is a meta narrative about music biopics. But also just, you know, talking about how shallow and horrible it is to summarize someone's life in this fashion, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I think that's uh, I think, you know, that's the uh, point of Walk Hard is that to compress somebody's life into this series of, you know, snippets where the conflict arises because of their drug addiction uh, which is, you know, that that was the that was the main conflict in both Walk the Line and Ray, which were the movies that it was cribbing the most from. Uh, you know, it, is to reduce somebody to you know a single moment in their life, and to really do them a disservice as a whole person. So you always are just going to end up with this fucking golem. This yeah. weird, dumb, lazy clay creature named Dewey Cox, and that's you know, and that's uh, what we did as a society to Tiger King this March. Yeah, you know, we, we reduced we a man to him. one moment in time. <laughs> <laughs> he just happened to be multiple married with a lot of dangerous animals and drugs and guns. Um, and he deserves a pardon. And so this episode goes out to Donald Trump, our president. Please pardon yes. the Tiger King. Pardon Tiger King. Yeah. Okay, so we got the we got the lame duck pardons. Uh, people have been saying Assange and Snowden, of course. Uh, but who are your who are your pardons? Well, who are your big pardons? I, that Tiger you want? King, and then. Um, Let's see who's in jail right now. Martin Shkreli, get Shkreli out of there. The guy, <laughs> <laughs> the guy that um, who's that honey that shrunk the kids guy that got knocked out? Uh, Rick Moranis. Yeah, pardon the guy that knocked out Rick Moranis. Pardon the guy that knocked out Rick Moranis. <laughs> we needed that. He was, it was funny in the world of sir. Yeah, a little was... pipsqueak got knocked out. <laughs> you know what's funny the knockout game was a total piece of mythology and then 10 years after it had left the public consciousness as a thing it just happens to to a celebrity but a celebrity who had been out of commission for 20 years but everyone still recognized i mean it's It's a very strange series it's a thing sort of just not a very widely done thing because you're i mean <laughs> whenever whenever a thing can't be to like oh we're gonna videotape uh crimes because then the, everyone gets caught getting sucker punched by a bunch of youths is not a knockout game you know that's that's just getting sucker punched by youths you know right but the People idea that was that there the was like you have to spread like 
innate to the idea is that they were also spreading it around and so oh like, that they you had to film it and memify otherwise it, right? it so doesn't that, get memified very well and then it's not going to spread and since by you know by its very definition you, you catch the people who do it generally yeah i guess you could do knockout game and wear masks now because of covid yeah there you go maybe and, and maybe antifa it. we could meme it should start a, yeah. oh hell we could meme it shit man we could meme that uh the proud boys are doing the knockout game they like to do the apparently knockout yeah game. They, apparently there's a proud boys protest some people got stabbed in dc you see that yeah what the yeah. fuck is going on guys why are we stabbing Pr- people I don't know. Because uh, they're proud boys. I guess. There's, they, are, <laughs> they are some of the worst boys. Oh, man. You know, <laughs> man, the fucking, you know who some of the worst boys is uh, Destiny, the streamer Destiny? Oh, I was saying something about him. Uh, man, <laughs> he was. <laughs> he's a little so, too online. <laughs> there's, he's very online, but um, man, his fans are like for some reason a lot of them defend incest for some reason that's like one of their things is like uh one of their things is be to be contrarian is like incest when you think about it between consenting adults is fine but that's like sure okay but it's like one of their main things hmm. like that's one of uh, their big topics they love it they love it is ben shapiro secretly their... involved no. <laughs> Does Ben Shapiro want to fuck his sister? Probably. Is that part of the Ben Shapiro mythos? Yeah, I think so. I'm making it so. Ah. Make it so, number one. My sister's hot, and my wife's pussy is dry. <laughs> I. It took me. It took me ten years of marriage to figure out that her pussy's not supposed to be dry. See, that's why WAP is the song of the year because it got Ben yeah. Shapiro. Got he, he explained it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Went line by line. Amazing. I gotta watch that. It seems like a tour de force. God bless. You know, we we harp on Ben Shapiro, uh, but he generates incredible content. Some some right wing pundits are just bland. Uh, ben Shapiro, you cannot accuse him of being bland. What he a, always he always Dan, goes for broke. Dan Bongino. Dan is it Bongino or Bongino? I don't know who that guy is. He's Dan, like Dan Bajana. Dan Bajana. He's like number one. Dan Bajana. On he's yeah. like he's the, number the number one, one guy. Facebook guy for the right wing. Is he? Is he a sunglasses wearing car dad? Uh, probably. I don't know. He's just like always the number one Facebook right winger guy. Dan Bajana. I think it's Bongino. Uh, Mangino, then the Mangino. I don't know. If you listen to Pod Save America, you would know who he is because they talk about him. They talk about Pod. I feel like uh, those guys tend to be focused on the wrong stuff. Um, uh, I like the stuff they focused on. I don't like the stuff they that comes out of their mouths most of the time. But I listen to a lot uh, of podcasts that where I don't agree with the people anymore. Because otherwise, fucking, I'd feel uh, lonely. <laughs> Pod Save America is the scrubs of podcasts. They all have like this very intense scrubs energy. Mm. <laughs> uh, so that you know, and I couldn't help but wonder. No, that's what that's what Sex in the City says. That's what uh, Sarah Jessica Parker says. Sex in the City is a great show. It talks about how you want to fuck billionaires. I just want to fuck billionaires, and I want to end up with a billionaire because he was good at fucking. Hmm. 
I never saw. I only saw like the second movie of all because I was dragged. Uh, I was dragged. The second movie is great, though. What the fuck are you talking? About? I could talk about the fucking Sex in the City too. Opens with the gay wedding with Liza Minnelli there, which uh, you mm-hmm. know, if it were written by anybody other than gay men, would be considered homophobic. <laughs> fucking uh, while they're in the desert, fucking Samantha says Lawrence of my labia. Mm-hmm. Uh, nearing the end of the movie, they all of the women in the in the niqabs open their niqabs and say, "We are dressed in Gucci. We're just like you. We're fashion bitches." <laughs> uh, the scene where. Carrie is with a servant from India, and the Indian servant explains to her that he can only visit his wife once a month because he is so poor and basically an indentured servant in the United Arab Emirates. And the lesson Carrie learns from it is that, hmm, sometimes I do need to spend time apart from my husband. As opposed to, help this guy. (laughs) You need to pay this man more. And there's not even, like, a scene of, like, Carrie giving him a big fat tip or anything like that. So it's just very... Uh, oblivious man i could sex on the city 2 is an amazing movie that reminds me of the uh, uh, seinfeld where elaine goes to the indian wedding remember that is one? that would that is that problematic now i don't can't remember i don't know is sex in the city 2 is, problematic now i was always it was problematic then well maybe <laughs> maybe you? maybe that seinfeld episode was problematic i don't remember if indian wedding is problematic but i remember elaine I, goes to it's like a backwards episode or something Remember that one? Yeah, it's a backwards episode. Does someone get the shits? That's like a problematic stereotype about India. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, what's uh, what's the most problematic Seinfeld episode? Um, uh, what's w- one that wouldn't <laughs> exist today? Like the one with... I'm tempted to say the cigar store Indian, but the yeah. joke is that Jerry Jerry's an idiot. The joke is that Jerry's a fucking asshole. So I don't know if it like it's that problematic. Well, I mean, uh, now I don't know. If if he's like he if he's like he is uh, now back then, I don't know. In our hypothetical, he probably wouldn't care about the, too much politically correctness. I mean, I don't know. His, the, the, doesn't the government decide what you can put on TV? Yeah, then government regulated men TV. <laughs> didn't the, didn't yeah, can't see no. I just can't figured the government no wrote Seinfeld. Pardon? I just figured the government wrote most Seinfeld and other TV shows. I, I mean, I guess Seinfeld's insulated a little bit, the same way that Always Sunny in Philadelphia is insulated a little bit, because if the characters are explicitly evil, then everything they do can be explained away by these characters are evil and stupid. So you know, it's not problematic that they're they're, they're we're showing evil and stupid people doing evil and stupid things, like you know. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia did a fuck ton of blackface, but they've mostly remained unscathed. Uh, Whereas, you know, when Tina Fey dresses up Jane Krakowski in blackface all the time, the problem is you're actually supposed to sympathize with her character, Mm. which is uh, to some degree, which makes it harder to, you know, wave that shit away. Why didn't Always Sunny get canceled more? I, I think it's the par- when you have characters that are explicitly yeah because they're explicitly terrible so you can get away with a lot. I guess more. you have to do. Um, I guess when you you're not to supposed that. to. Yeah. Maybe we That's... should cultivate a little bit more of a of a bad boy image so we can <laughs> get away with saying boys. more stuff. No, we're bad. Um, bo- hey, we're a couple of bad boys. <laughs> I can't pretend. I can't pretend to be a bad boy. I actually get very nervous and upset if I ever feel that. <laughs> I feel that like I've, I have I've... to poop when I pretend to be a bad boy. 
no. Well, it's just you know, I well, I want to be an edge lord. I also walk that line of if I ever said something untoward to people, I feel like a real grade A heel, mm-hmm. which is why I wouldn't be a good comedian. I'd be very bad at roasting people. Oh yeah, and that's the crowd work is most of what comedy is. It's just making fun of people in the crowd. Oh my God, that's um. Have you ever watched Key and Peele all the way through? Yes. The sketch show? Yes, I have. Um, do you remember... It's. I think it might be one of my favorite sketches of all time. Um, it's a comedian. Uh, Keegan-Michael Bleef, uh, Key plays a comedian. And in the crowd is Jordan Peele, who's like has severe burns all over his body mm. and speaks with a Vox box. And Keegan-Michael Key is doing crowd work, and he's like insulting people for being fat or like... Uh, <laughs> Uh, and then he gets to the bird guy and he's like, ah, oh, come on, man. And he does a bunch of non-jokes. And then Jordan Peele says, go ahead, I can take it. And so he tries it out. And then <laughs> Peele immediately starts crying and the crowd turns against me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just think that's the, the funniest shit ever. Uh, that show is really good. I I, I, I stand Key and Peele as a sketch show. Yeah. I think it's very... I think it's very funny. Even though they they came out as centrists. They're, who cares if people, most people centrists. are libs? Okay, here's... Okay, that's the other thing I was thinking about why the post-left is fucking stupid. Because it's like, the people who, who we should be trying to get to leftism are libs. They're already there with the social things. We just need to get them on the economic platform, which is a lot easier than getting right-wing people who are economically married to free market capitalism and also, you know, not there on the social freedoms boat. Yeah, that's... I don't understand why, you know, even though we, we love to antagonize libs, I think it can be counterproductive sometimes because these are really the people who will be far easier to convince to get social entitlements as they have done in the past. You know, libs have been made to bend the knee to entitlement programs in the past that's not so, happening now <laughs> yeah no no because they have all the power because libs because libs are the they are the majority voting bloc because libs form most of the republican party and most of the democratic party there is you know when francis fukuyama said that neoliberal capitalism was the end of history i think he was right mm. because it can replicate dissent so well that you can never actually escape it because that you know that's the line that hopeful communists use about uh capitalism when ursula k Le Guin said you know capitalism seems inescapable but then again so did the divine right of kings you know but the difference being is that the kings were never able to effectively simulate rebellion but still control things from uh behind the scenes whereas that's all that capitalism does all like it's most effective effectively suited for mimicking progress and then not actually delivering so i think it's a lot harder to escape the matrix you know it's matrices all the way down yeah i think the kings could they would sometimes actually simulate a rebellion in order to quash it that that's pretty uh, that's pretty funny medieval hypernormalization yeah i think that <laughs> you I, have a medieval adam curtis i think that happened i was reading you see, about what the, the kings are doing is they're sowing discord intentionally yeah i was reading about uh, <laughs> this guy well there's just this amazing guy called charles navarre charles of navarre or, or charles the bad who 
was a schemer in the 14th century, and he mm-hmm. was trying to scheme away the French throne from uh, his cousin John the Good, who was kind of John like, the Good, kind of good for nothing. Um, That's good PR, you know. Just call yeah. yourself the Good. John the Good messed up a bunch. He John the Good is, I think, maybe the only French king to be captured by the English at the Battle of Poitiers, and it was loser. It was crazy. They like just captured the French king and they dragged him back to England. And I mean, he, he you know, they treated him real nice. They treated him real nice. They were basically family, you know. That yeah. The the French the English king at the time Edward the Third grew up only speaking French because they're all Norman. So fucking normies, just like French people fighting French people, really. But he was yeah. he was the English king, and so they take him back. And then Charles the Bad <laughs> starts scheming to get the throne from the French prince, and he's doing all kinds. The French of prince of Bel Air, right? The French prince of of Bel Air, and the, le France France. A peasant revolt starts called the Jacquerie. <laughs> Jacquerie. Yeah. And that was the name of a gay club I went to, the Jackery, but go on. <laughs> and it was uh, being led by a peasant named Guillaume Kale. And All right. Not much is known about Guillaume Kale. He just kind of arose to be the leader of the Jackery. And uh, I was just thinking, like, how he was being propped up by Charles the Bad as part of his schemes. Yeah, I suppose that's... That maybe that's another example of our just digital age solipsism. We just think the fact that we have this new technology means that we have this whole new paradigm when it comes to being fucked with. But no, people in positions of power have been using all these means to mind fuck you. It's not so. I think people need to stop worrying about being mind fucked so much. Everyone's always trying to mind fuck you. Has been since the day people discovered there were minds to be fucked. Mm-hmm. Try not to worry about it as much, you know. In a way, I, I really like that South Park thing where it showed the funny side of deep fakes. You know, that fake lawyer ad with the Trump deep fake that they had, Sassy Law, or I didn't whatever. See it. Yeah, I think that that is something that I've been. Uh, trying to develop more is you know mental fortitude towards realizing that everything that i believe in reality is an utter sham yeah well you know just go outside uh, look at the stuff there's stuff you can touch it yeah you could buy it you could even buy some of that stuff and to feel better when you buy it and uh, then throw that thing away and buy the new version Mm-hmm. that's what you gotta do mm-hmm. see that's what you gotta do <laughs> you listen here let me tell you, this is what you gotta do. Let me hear. Let me tell you, you gotta consume. You gotta go to Black Friday. You gotta buy three eggs. You gotta throw those three eggs at some cars. Those people's cars will crash, and then they'll buy new cars. You're stimulating the economy. Hey, why don't you solve a parking meter? That's a good way to make some money. <laughs> why don't you set up your own lemonade stand, and then turn that stand into a bank? <laughs> <laughs> that is what oh my god that is okay there's a great story from the alexander hamilton biography alexander hamilton had a a a uh, very tight grasp of all the banks in new york city he controlled all the banks in new york city and some oh, yeah because he was a jew some dem some democrat <laughs> a jeffersonian democrat was like this is not fair i want to start a bank but Hamilton won't let me because I'm allied with Thomas Jefferson. So this guy 
pretended to start a water company because New York had a lot of problems with clean water. And he was like, I'm going to start a water company to install clean water for everybody. Everybody's going to get clean water. And I'm going to take investors in my water company. And he got it all together. He, and you needed approval from the government to start this kind of company. He started it as he got the bill written. And then he, right before it was passed, inserted a clause that was like, and also it's a bank. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked the bill passed he started his water company and now bank and then immediately quit doing anything related to water and was like all the people who gave him money because they were like oh we're finally going to get clean water were shafted and he was like actually it's a bank now and um <laughs> yeah just a great story of lying to set up a bank by preying on people's oh. desire for uh, you know clean water you know that's history is going to repeat again all these california water futures they're just going to turn out to be banks all of these farmers are just going to have banks on their land now <laughs> yeah well that what the farmers might do is what some of the people might do is like start in um trying to get more desalination plants i don't know mm. maybe get that going but I'll, what they're going to just try to do is expand the places where you can legally do it in California and then expand the number of people doing it and then just try to grow and grow. And as more as water is, is you know, needed more and more all over this country, the index will grow and then they'll be able to expand into other places. So it's really a bad sign, in my opinion. It's a harb harbinger, if you will. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, fundamental research, things that we consider fundamental infinitely hypothetically infinitely replenishable resources uh water shouldn't belong to anybody but it does because apparently because we have a state whose primary obligation is to fight for people's property rights what, what yeah. do they call people's water rights what's the funny legal name for it their uh, antiquarian rights or no not their anti their antediluvian rights i don't know i don't remember it but yeah no one should own a chunk of the river. Don't own the river. Don't own the creeks. Don't own anything. Everyone should just go to the Kaczynski Lodge. We're all Kaczynski Lodge. And you don't even own that. <laughs> What's the Kaczynski can, Lodge? Oh, you know, we, we've uh, we've talked about uh, Ted Kaczynski's uh, uh, house. Ted, the, the Unabomber's house. Yeah. Uh, the Unabomber, the Un-A-Bomber. The Onion But bomber. even he, you know... He was not the onion bomber. The onion. I hide bombs inside of onions, and then you, that would be that would be gross. You get one at the grocery uh, store, and it blows onions up at you. <laughs> oh no, it's the onion bomber. He struck again. I smell all oniony now. I'm right before a job interview. I'm the onion bomber. I dress in gray sweatpants. Wait, the onion bomber. That sounds like it's a version of Obama. The onion. The Obama. onion bomber. The onion bomber. The onion Obama. <laughs> onion bomber. Obama stands uh, for Onion Bomber. <laughs> Obama's well, your Irish name. <laughs> Barack Obama. I'm, o I'm Obama, Barry the Onion Obama. Bomber. <laughs> Fucking, uh, I told you about my theory about, you know how David Icke has lizard people? No, I don't know that. Well, you know the lizard, you know the lizard people. Everybody knows the lizard people. No, I don't know the reptilians. You, you know about the reptilians. You mean the con oh the the reptilian conspiracy? Yeah, the reptilian conspiracy f uh, started well, not started, but popularized by David Ica 
the British conspiracy theorists that uh, the world leaders, the Illuminati, they're all a bunch of lizards mm. in human skins. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've, I feel that they're not only are there lizard people, there are onion people as well who operate because you know they use the, well well obviously lizard people don't actually fucking exist it's a very good image because it uh represents these people that are operating on sort of this malevolent reptilian instinctual cruelty which i do think is a feature of the high-powered pmc uh but uh yeah onion people they operate on a even deeper more malevolent instinctual instinct yeah. Done. Which is why you had the battle between Trump, who who is an onion man, an onion. and also Onion Obama. I'm an onion, onion Obama. guy. I'm an onion type guy. You know, if there's yeah. there's types of guys, and I'm an onion type guy. I'm an onion man. Yeah. Uh, I'm an onion guy. I just got a lot. Of, I don't. Oh, you think I have layers? Like I'm gonna say the Shrek thing? No, I don't have layers. I'm just like I just make you cry. You seen that video of the like toddler it. eating the onion? Uh, why would you make your toddler do you that? Can, no, the toddler's the doing it. Over, the toddler is just holding an onion and eating it. Okay. Just like straight up and he's not flinching? Yeah, it kind of looks like you, actually. I think it's a video of you. That's probably me. <laughs> I, I, I'm an onion eater because I'm an onion man. Yeah. <laughs> onion people wear gray sweatpants and headbands. Yeah. And onion people uh onion people got little hairs growing out their nipples yeah onion people got the nose hairs intermingling with the mustache uh (laughs) onion people just uh fart uncontrollably when at traffic lights while laughing while giggling to themselves while giggling and laughing because these traffic lights are just unbearably funny they're resulting in bodily spasms sometimes a a really long traffic light can be very funny like, if you start thinking about how ridiculously long it is, like a 10-minute long traffic light, I could see myself uncontrollably laughing and farting at some point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really giggling and farting at these traffic It's like, it's really uh, <laughs> anticipation, you know, that's the key. Anticipation, traffic lights, you know, was I, giggling was and I farting. Onion say? people, something also onion people do is, you know... They like to shove uh, quarters in between their toes, in between the webbing of their toes, and then, you know, take a mallet and see if that they can, you know, uh, push the webbing of their toes back by hitting on these quarters <laughs> so that they can get longer toes. That's something that onion people do. Uh, uh, onion people. Onion people. Also like to lick stamps, put them all over their genitals. And mail themselves to grandma. Wow. Genital stamps. Genital stamps. Genital. White House staff will be among the first in the U.S. to get vaccinated. Oh, nice. Great. Great. Good for them. We got uh, enough. We got, uh, we ordered 16 of the vaccines for the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be enough. Uh, there, there are sixteen people in these here United States. Yeah, well, actually, no, because it's two doses each, so it's uh, for eight. Mm. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's the highest number. Actually, one of the vials broke, so one guy is gonna get just a half dose. We could split uh, that one up into two if you want. If you need two shots, if you. Sorry, I'm just doing what customer service is like in the United States. <laughs> If you want it, we could just split the one and make it two. I know you because you paid for two shots. 
Or, or we could forget about this whole thing enter the void you know just step in through that bad boy you know get get going just uh, embrace chaos and destruction uh become decay <laughs> did you post america your, become decay did you post your sunday smile on the internet you gotta post your That's sunday smile yeah what is that a meme dude is that a thing that like you're supposed to the do? most popular meme out there right now post your sunday smile and then your pastor will thumbs up Mm. I was unpasteurized. Oh yeah. By which I mean, I, yeah, my anus is unpasteurized. Yeah. yeah, they're out there. The pastors are out there <laughs> pasteurizing little boys a little too much. You know if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, they shouldn't pasteurize these little boys. Yeah. Uh, that's why they need to make unpasteurized milk legal in America. Yeah, because what is that? That's when a pastor like comes in it. That's when a milk yeah, gets pasteurized. Yeah, that's what pasteurized milk is when a pastor comes in yeah. in the milk. And then it kills the it kills the bacteria because the pastors come is very acidic because they drink a lot of communion wine. Right, right. They, they're right, pickled. Yeah. A pickled pastor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> have you ever had your urethra pickle from the inside? You ever drink so much wine? You ever drink so much wine and brine wine and, that your are wine and brine from the inside? <laughs> we're whining and brining tonight. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. Oh my God, you are joking! But you actually just pitched the like the BuzzFeed Wine Mom pickling challenge, you Ooh. know, which is now now that we've mentioned it, it's already a thing. It's already out. Should there. Should we make our own listicle site, the House of Decline listicle site? Yeah, is it called List of Decline? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's just eight tips for Margs. Eight tips for making your margs filled with more mind-bending drugs. Oh, man. First, get your margs. Two, get your drugs. Three, put them together. Four, we didn't even need eight. I, that was a simple process. What do you think it's like in New Orleans right now? I bet it's it's like filled with... The only people who go there are the anti-maskers. And so it's just like half full, but filled with the worst people on earth this March. Uh, wow. The only the only knowledge I have of New Orleans culture is the man on the Zatarans box. Yeah, New, Other than New that, Orleans, I'm completely stumped. New Orleans, uh, as I'm, I'm I'm saying it correctly, by the way, New Orleans. Um, New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. I've been there one time, and the downtown area is a nightmare. <laughs> you don't you don't uh, like Bourbon Street? I saw two head injuries from falling from being blackout drunk. That's pretty one great. Night. Were you? Was it Mardi Gras or was it no, just regular? It was just like right, like fall. It was like it was like October, September, the furthest away from Mardi Gras one can get, and it's just blackout drunk people. I love Bourbon Street. Great uh, culture. What's though. this street named? Yeah, great PCP culture. PCP Street. Yeah. <laughs> what's this street named? DMT Street. Uh man nolens i i told you about my my punk rock zydeco character henry nolens <laughs> i think you've told very me very intense <laughs> i'm very intense about zydeco music my baby my baby she don't want me no more <laughs> henry henry rollins how do we feel about henry rollins 
Uh, you know, I don't know. He seems like he's knowledgeable sometimes. I don't really care what he has to say. I was never a fan of his bands. What is his, what are his bands? Black Flag? Black Flag and then Rollins Band. I like the song Liar. That's mm-hmm. like a song that I would uh, have a soundboard of of the main. Because I'm a liar! He's dressed up as a devil. You know, it's the music's a little funky. Yeah. He's okay. I didn't listen to Black Flag, I guess. Rise above, we're gonna rise above. Oh, I've got three nails in my dicks. We're gonna rise above, we're gonna rise above. What are his songs about? Uh, they're about rising above, mostly. <laughs> what does that mean? What does that mean? What does it mean to do that? Um, I think, well, early Black Flag uh, sort of has the general... Uh, early Rollins Black Flag, I should say, because Black Flag predates Rollins, but then he became their hot new shit in 1979 was it and then they came out with damaged and then they had a record problem so they couldn't come out with another album for three years but yeah it's mostly about post teenage angst and vague general rebellion being dissatisfied uh with uh the trappings of american society and all that fun stuff mm. and then later yeah, but then the 80s black flag remember remember uh, a lot of great stuff from the different different strokes. Uh, Perfect Strangers, Family Matters, all three, <laughs> yeah. all three are beautiful. When did Mash? Mr. Gorbachev, tear down my back walls. Oh, oh, you love the back wall <laughs> stuff. And is that the back yeah, walls of well, your butthole? Is that what that is? Yeah. Well, there are no back walls of the butthole, which is why I find it funny. Is, I feel. Oh. I, I like the idea that somebody could hit the back wall. I guess if you hit like, if you hit like the 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 sphincter that goes from the large intestine to the small intestine, that would be the closest to anus back walls, mm-hmm. asshole back walls, as possible. But that would require uh, that would require a Mister Fantastic penis, like a stretchy one that can stretch for a stretchy, yeah, oh, a stretchy funny. penis that can conform to the inside of your tubes. That's, you should draw a cartoon of that. Lots, plenty. It's already been done oh. since Mister Fantastic was born. Everyone been saying is his dick stretchy. Oh, so the cartoons have been ah, uh, the cartoons have other all stretchy been done. characters. Yeah, <laughs> it, in uh, One Piece, the main character Monkey D. Luffy, the the author Aichiro Oda, has confirmed that. His penis is indeed stretchy, because he is also a stretch person. Oh. One Piece has yeah. a stretch person. It's the main character is the stretch person. Does he use his powers to, like, unlock doors? Uh, no, he can't He can't mold his penis into keys and uh, then unlock doors, unfortunately. I guess he's not that stretchy. No, he's not that stretchy. Uh, no, he mostly punches people with, el- with elastic force. Oh. And then he'll, like, bite into his bloodstream and then, like, blow up his arm to gigantic proportions. One Piece is really good. I could do a whole fucking episode on One Piece. He'll, 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 uh, he'll turn himself into a balloon? He does, frequently. That's, That's uh, Gamu Gamu no Fusen. That's what that is. Gamu Gamu no Fusen! That's a move he has? <laughs> yeah, it's Gamu Gamu no Fusen. Uh, cool. It's Gum Gum Balloon. Well, or uh, Rubber Rubber Balloon. You see, he ingested the gamu gamu devil fruit, mm-hmm. Stephen. Um, he ingested the fruit, and it gave him fucking powers. And he can stretch, but he wants to be the fucking greatest pirate in the world. He wants to find the treasure, One Piece, 
left behind by Goldie Roger. And this, who we thought was what ocean? Hmm? They're in like a the Pacific. They're they're it's no, it's it's a world of its own making. They're in the it, it starts out in the East Blue. They live in the East Blue, but their goal is to get to the Grand Line, which is a uh, sea that traverses the world on an equator uh, and is bisected perpendicularly by the Red Line, but, the only continent, but, continental landmass on the but Earth. But this is Earth, right, still? N- it's, not, it's not explicitly Earth. It takes place in an alternate hmm. type of Earth, the same way that Dragon Ball takes place in an alternate type of Earth. Yeah, but on That Earth. is made up of... It's all happening on Earth, though. It's all Earth. Well... That's the funny thing about T- Tolkien. Middle Earth is supposed to be Earth. Yeah, I know. It is supposed to be like a lost age it's of Earth. Midgard, which uh, is the so Norse I like to word think that, for Earth. Yes. So the the ninja universe of Naruto and the pirate universe of One Piece and the martial artist universe <laughs> of Dragon Ball, they all coalesce. They're all Earth. Everything is Earth. The pirate universe of the Caribbean. Oh man, uh, do you have any feelings about those movies? About the Johnny Depp movie? The Johnny Depp movie. I only saw the first one. Back in I, I was, saw the first three. I was in like we were in high school when they came out. Remember high school? Holy shit! You remember high school? Remember remember sexual inadequacy? <laughs> no, because there weren't girls around in high school, uh, yeah, so there was no even. the sexual inadequacy was like um, a totally different sort. Catholic school, locker room chants. Everybody yeah. looking at everybody's pants. Didn't go into the locker rooms in high school. Good. Smart choice. You might have caught gay. <laughs> That's not why. Because the jerks. Because uh, they, the they would beat you. Because the they would do. Because American bullying is like borderline sexual assault. Forget uh, oh, borderline. Yeah. Not, it is it just is. sexual well, there assault. Was, I, there was people like. A kid who wanted to be on the football team but was not really big enough, and they like put something up his butt, and that was terrible. Yeah, they, that's the fucking. There was at at one of Canada's biggest hockey high schools, St. Mike's. There were uh, one famous incident of uh, of a child being sodomized with a broom by the hockey team members that were hazing him. Yeah, it's and the specifically same. the phrase "sodomized with a broom" it, kept appearing in the in the news cycle. Yeah, that's the same kind of guys that go on to be in the army and. Do stuff to peasants in the Middle East, and the NHL, and the and in the, the NHL. Do stuff to peasants hey, in the look, NHL. Gretzky got sodomized with a broom, and he was better for it. Was he? Maybe he was worse. If you think about that, man, maybe it. What, maybe the reason. Maybe he could have been <laughs> even better. If had Gretzky never been sodomized with a broom, he wouldn't have voted conservative. See, he wouldn't have voted for Stephen Harper. That's a good way around, like like slander laws. Is to is to compliment someone and say they would have been better if they didn't if this didn't happen to them or if they didn't do this. Yeah, look, if Wayne Gretzky hadn't killed that girl, he could have been the best. Well, <laughs> it doesn't work if you do it that way. <laughs> uh, just start accusing. If he hadn't killed that girl, <laughs> look. If Ted Kennedy hadn't killed that girl, oh, that one's real. Hmm. Whoops. Hey. That was a CIA plant. They put that body in the trunk. They they put that girl in the trunk. They were framing him. They were framing him. Who uh, put all this alcohol in my whiskey? See, the the fun (laughs) thing to do is to be a lib who's also an anti-CIA lib. 
Which there aren't enough that's, of. Because all the that's, libs... That's a weird combination. All the libs right now, to, are, they love JFK, but they would never admit that the CIA did it. They love the deep state. They want it to go deeper. Yeah, they want... Like, Biden's appointing Facebook and Google people to the government. I saw that. Yeah, he appointed Raytheon guy to defense stuff. And they're, they're just going to keep censoring stuff on Twitter and Facebook and Google. Google censors, too. I don't know if you've noticed, but using Google sucks now. It's harder to find stuff. And I was actually talking yeah. about how... You know the concept of having information at your fingertips was revolutionary yeah. in the Internet? Mm-hmm. It has shifted now because now the inter- the information that we have at our fingertips is no longer reliable. So mm-hmm. the paradigm of uh, being able to look anything up at any time and know the answer is over. It's now you can look anything up and get an answer, but it's who the fuck knows if it's the right answer. Yeah, it's uh, gone from the democratization of knowledge to the sort of consumer alienation of knowledge. Knowledge is something that is not collective, but rather uh, consumable. And you can consume your own piece of knowledge. And you can get different knowledge products. Mm-hmm. It's not and, good. Uh, yeah, knowledge products. That's what we sell now. We don't sell brain juice, but we that's, that's what our podcast is. It's a knowledge product. I would like some brain juice. Uh, we should just start, we should just start manufacturing our own homemade brain powder. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What are the ingredients? Uh, zinc and pubes. Rhino horn. Uh, that shit's, it's, uh, rhino horn is difficult to source. rhino horn, I demand it. Okay, it's rhino horn. I demand it. Shaved rhino horn. Old, uh, oh, rare rhino horn. It's just fucking keratin. You get the same effect with fingernails. No, it just grind down your fingernails. Rare rhino horn, gorilla brain. It's got to be, as opposed to those common rhinos, not common rhino horn. Yeah, rare. we're not looking for no fucking vulgar pedestrian fucking rhino. Horn. Are you fucking kidding Ma- me? You want to get so fucking horny? <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, someone mentioned the other day how, like, um, when elephants see us, they think we're cute in the same way that we think dogs are cute. But the, all that made me think about was, uh, like, a bunch of dogs, you know, me thinking they're cute, and then they steal my teeth and kill me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then make a waste basket out of my leg. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we're a terrifying species. Yeah, I hope we find, like, a planet of aliens in our space explorations. Aliens that have never, you know, even conceived of any... of any. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just about to describe planetary genocide with glee. I should stop. Okay. Um, now, come, come on, keep it going. No, keep no, no. <laughs> if I was the Empire in Star Wars, I wouldn't just blow up the planet. I would subjugate it first. Uh, <laughs> what? Yeah, what if the Alderanians, you know, what? what if the Emperor just knew that princess leia's people they were just shiftless humans like us it was all real if princess leia's planet was all white people Ooh. you know it's fine Damn, <laughs> it's take, fine it's what politically correct let's get that on twitter asap it is polit alderaan was all white people so it was actually we know it's not all white people because uh princess leia's father uh bail organa was played by jimmy smiths and is hence uh space latino so space latinx so that's it. That's it for my theory. It was it was hence unwoke of the emperor to blow up Alderaan. Oh, because because of like that one guy. Yeah, because Jimmy Smiths. <laughs> that was it. That's all you needed. Okay. Yeah. 
I just I think uh, it was bad because they didn't subjugate them first and extract all the power man. from their life force. You know? The Empire, they never they never get into what they want. Yeah. It's, yeah. They're just evil for evil's what sake. What do they I want? suppose exists. What do they believe in? That's kind of, what, do, what does the Empire believe in? Why are they doing I, this? I, I think that it is literally like the Sith thing is like power is divine. You know, to accumulate power is the best thing. And that is the only thing there is. Really? And, is that ever uh, said? Or are you just going to kind of... No, it's said in, it's said in like the, the supplemental materials. Oh. But I think that's the basic gist of it is like literally the Sith... The Sith ideology is evil for evil's the sake. The supplemental... The, the side work for understanding Star Wars. The homework... Yeah, Empire for Empire's sake. Well, because the because the original Star Wars is you don't need to know what their motivation is because it's supposed to be a simple ass story. It's supposed to be a simple ass good versus evil story. All you need to know is they're bad. But then you know once you start expanding on that universe, you know you, you can't because uh, good versus evil is. Uh, you know, there's only one time it happened in the last in the 20th century, and that was World War Two, <laughs> and we keep harping on that one. The one time, uh, yeah. Well, actually, no. There was lots of good evil. Like the Viet Cong were the good guys, and America was the bad guys. Uh, the Mujahideen was the good guys, and America was the bad guys. <laughs> hmm. Well, no, Mujahideen was fighting the Soviets, though. They were, but then they fought the Americans. But the, as well, who was the bad guys between the, the Mujahideen and the Soviets? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Be very careful. I don't know. Be You're about to get canceled. Who was that's my the <laughs> the greatest movie moment ever is uh, Rambo 2's dedication to the brave Mujahideen soldiers. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> oh my God! Keep fighting. <laughs> Keep reaching for that rainbow, Mujahideen. Oh my God! Richard Mujahideen Anderson. <laughs> it's a the good MacGyver. Name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh my god. Enough. So we're at the we're nearing the end of our we're nearing the end of our podcast here. I would just like to sum up on some things we talked about, uh, specifically about the existential horror of open world gaming. All right. Do not go gentle into that good night. Reject open world gaming. Oh, so you're anti Choose open world gaming. No, I'm anti. Yeah, I'm anti open Whoa. world. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not anti open world gaming, but I'm anti gaming which emphasizes um, replication of reality as a, as opposed to complementing reality. Hmm. I think the goal should not be to hyper immerse a person in a game, but rather to uh, allow a person to experience a narrative where they're still aware of their outside surroundings. And I don't know how to do that, but I'm I'm saying we're moving in a direction where that's not what's happening, and reality is being recreated uh, and supplanted to a problematic degree. If this evolution continues, and we don't even know what to believe anymore, you know. So yeah, I agree with that. Even though I, you know, I don't really play open world games, so it doesn't matter if I agree. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I'm just raising alarms because I like to raise alarms. And once, a, once again, it's not uh, video games don't make you violent, but they make you compliant. Uh, and so we should strive to disrupt this 
tendency towards compliance. Especially with all this DLC they've been doing, you know, where you're just like, give me the whole game. Why do I got to pay again in six months 30 more dollars? The only DLC I care about is my dick licking chicken. Um. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Uh, I was trying to think of my own one. Dick licking chicken is pretty good. I, that's the That was the one I was going to say. It's DLC. You were gonna say. I was gonna say that too. You stole my joke. Okay. DLC. uh, Dane Leavenworth Cook. Uh, What happened to Dane Cook? I always think about celebrities, and I'm like, I wonder if they got COVID and died. His brother stole millions of dollars from him, and now his brother is in jail. Ah, come on, bro. That's what happened to Dane Cook, and his face is all puffy from bad plastic surgery. Man, plastic surgery is that I don't like. Don't get it. Don't. Oh, get I it. get it. I like plastic oh, yeah? surgery. Okay, I, get it. I support plastic you get surgery. It then. You should. You should. I think you know. I make an exception for you. I think you. You should eh. get it. I don't. I don't want. You need it. it. But I think you some people. It. What if I said you need it? There are a lot of drag queens I see <laughs> that do need it. They need it for their jobs. Well, I would argue that Dolly Parton needs plastic surgery. It should be a write-off for her. Oh man, it's part of her gig. Dolly Parton. I don't like her. <laughs> yeah, fuck Dolly. No, she's fine. Fuck she's Dolly fine. Parton. No, that you no. said it. I didn't say it. I just said I didn't. No, like no her. I'm just saying. Another, yeah. She's she's a lib shibboleth. She's a libboleth, and reject all libboleths. Mm. But buy Cyberpunk and play it. I think that's. The- <laughs> <laughs>